Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning, Leslie. Welcome back to Round Hill Radio. I love being here and on this occasion. And on this occasion. So happy almost Mother's Day, happy everybody. Mother's Day. This is so exciting. So we're doing something a little bit different today Ooh. as I attempt to break my microphone, apparently, um, because we are actually... Um, well, technically both mothers. We are. Because as of the time of this recording, we're recording this a little bit ahead of time, but at the time of this recording, I am eight months pregnant. Whoa. Whoa. I bet you didn't know that. I, yeah, I've been kind of coy and Not subtle you, about but it. Our, I did, I've noticed. <laughs> I have I have noticed. It's hard to be around you and not notice that <laughs> she's really showing yeah, we're, yeah but i sit so low at this desk and i wear a lot of black so it's just like high video viewers you it's high you can't even see it's like you know so we're going to talk okay. about your pregnancy so we're talk about talk about my my journey towards motherhood too yes i'm so excited yeah. about this this right. is really fun because we had you know, when we when we record sometimes, you know, after we finish recording, we, we chit chat and connect and talk about stuff. And we were sharing we were sharing some stuff about like what um, this pregnancy journey it really is a journey. Oh, boy, um, is like in all of that, all of the, the good and bad and ugly and wonderful and terrible and all of that. So um, we're like, we should do a podcast. About yeah, and this. I'm going to talk about being an adoptive mother. I, yeah, I so can't wait. It is in, it's inclusive of different kinds of pregnancy. There's so many ways to be a mother. Yeah, right. So many ways. So this is our motherhood special. <laughs> um, I've been tempted to call it uh, motherhood. What did I? What was that? Okay, let's start first of all. Brain. Motherhood. <laughs> baby brain is real, y'all. <laughs> Can I just say? I thought I thought people were exaggerating. Is it kind of like menopause brain? You wouldn't know that. But I wouldn't I would. know that. Te- <laughs> yeah, not yet. Um, but from what I've heard, very similar. I will be I will be like halfway through a sentence, and it says so if someone has a remote for my brain and just hits pause, uh, and I just go, and I got I, it's gone. Whatever it was, <laughs> is just. It's just gotten like hard deleted from the okay, brain. So disk let me drive. just tell you, like, fast forward a couple of dec- several decades for you. Um, as a sixty-two-year-old, that's also happens as you age. Is it the same thing? Yes. I don't like it. I'm gonna say it now. I, I'm not okay with that. It's really very it's part irritating. of being human. It's part. It's very humbling. It's very humbling. Which for is, those of us who are control freaks and want to have it all together and yes. be on and up. Yes. Well, and I also feel like um, there's an element of pregnancy, and I imagine for me also motherhood that really brings out my perfectionism, which I'm trying really hard to let go of, um, which baby brain is also not helping. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about your journey. Yeah. And how this this last eight months has changed you. It really has. So it's been fascinating because I feel like I had so many... Um, like preconceptions about what I thought pregnancy was going to be like, you know, I felt like I had like the mental image of like, or like the, the picture from like friends and what I've heard from different women of like first trimester, you feel like absolute garbage. You're probably going to throw up. 
or like you will throw up basically you're gonna be sick all the time and you feel like garbage but you can't tell anybody and then the second trimester you feel super great and then the third trimester you feel huge and you just want to like be done and what were your experience so the first trimester honestly this is pregnant women across the world are going to hate me for this but i never threw up that's amazing. That's I was a little, misconception because I would have that. I, 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 that was the whole thing of like when, when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh, no. Oh, I really don't like throwing up. But okay. It's okay. It's worth it. It's okay. It's worth, I psyched myself into it. And I was like, it's okay. It's worth it. Um, and thankfully, I was okay. I was a little like, that's a little queasiness, we'll call it. And then I would eat some like cashews and I was fine. What do you attribute that to? I have no idea. Is it hormones? I guess. I don't know. I think, I think every, so we were talking about this right before we started recording that every pregnancy experience, even women with multiple pregnancies, right? Every pregnancy experience is completely different is from what is what I've learned. Like it's, it's, it's the, the mom at that time, the woman at that time. And then also the other partner in that pregnancy of the baby and that biology and how those two kind of do their dance throughout pregnancy and so that becomes like this little like this little dance mm-hmm. um my own baby has already decided that my body is no longer my own um and when i sit the wrong way i get a swift kick in the ribs <laughs> which i have to say i feel like is uh i'm okay with that are you willing to share the gender yes yeah, so she is a, it is a girl oh, okay so she has a mind girl. of her own she has a, and i'm honestly i'm like <laughs> She's sassy, and I'm here for it. She is definitely your child. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so much to, like. She knows her mind. She claims her space. She's like, I'm taking up room here. Uh-huh. I'm not being shy about it. Mm-hmm. And she's also been overall very mellow. Like she hasn't really like not in the middle of the night. Not in the middle of the night yet. What she sleeps seems to like chill out at night. Last night she was doing a full uh, what I would describe as a like clogging routine. So like a nice river dance moment. A couple months ago when there was more room for her, it was like a full gymnastics thing. I just picture it in there, there just like having a dance party and it makes me giggle. How do giggle you describe that to your spouse? So hard. He, he, laughs, he thinks it's great. He laughs so hard. <laughs> and now that she's bigger, he can feel her little feet kicking in. So that's become very, very magical. How have you been doing with your body change? I have to tell you, it's been the most healing process. Say more. Because I feel like, well, my own journey with body image, Mm -hmm. with physical health has been, shall we call it a roller coaster uh, over the past 20 years of just like not, not loving my body, not appreciating all the things that my body can do. And I'm saying this as an organist, right? Whose job it is to literally use my body to make music. And I have undervalued and underappreciated the entire time. We are, you're fit right in with the way that this society has yeah. done that for women. Yeah. Right? We're really good to be taught to hate ourselves. Yeah. Right. We're like, that's, that's everywhere you turn, everywhere you turn. Here's something to make you more beautiful. Cause you're not beautiful. Here's something to make you skinnier. Cause you're too fat. Right. Like the right. constant bombardment of societal, um, just messaging, right. right. Subtle and completely overt. And then I got pregnant. And my body was like, girl, I know how to do this. Mm. And it's doing all these magical things without any active input from like my brain or me. 
and it's doing it turns out rather well and it had body women's bodies have been doing this for countless years since the beginning of time since the big literal beginning of time yeah and i have found it to be very healing just to be like wow good job body like despite how much i hated you and mistreated you over the decades you still are just just shining and doing everything beautifully and every appointment i have with my provider is like yeah you're fine yeah everything's great yeah it's fine yeah you're fine everything's fine you know and as a slightly anxious person (laughs) and there's there's all these wonderful fun hormones in your body when you're pregnant which we can go into um it can up your anxiety a little bit because of the certain hormones and it gets worse after you give birth um that you're always like what's what's wrong is there something wrong is there something wrong and i was like i won't be that person and i'm 100 percent that person um and then every time it's like yeah no everything's fine and how can fine. you not do that? And like in the middle of COVID, I mean, you got pregnant during COVID. Yeah. Well, I thought, <laughs> I literally thought it was over. And then it came back and I was like, oh, darn. <laughs> Just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's, yeah. And the COVID thing. Yeah. I mean, so like a lot of people in our area right now when we're recording this are choosing not to mask um, because the numbers are very low here in, in, in Fairfield County. Um, and I'm choosing to mask because it just feels like, I mean, that doesn't really bother me that much. Right. And why not? Mm-hmm. And so my piano students, um, I've asked them all to mask during their lessons because we're in pretty close mm-hmm. contact with each other. Um, and so, and the funny thing is not a single one of them has muttered an ounce of complaint. I'm glad because I... <laughs> yeah, they don't care. Good. They really don't well, care. It's it shows that they care about you. I don't even know that, that they've even like... So, like Because you're in a school too. I'm in a school, but mm-hmm. like the older kids... The older kids know I'm pregnant, like they, that they've registered that. But like some of like the little, the little kids, I don't think have really... I don't, I don't know what I'm they think. I'm glad that's not something you've had to worry about. I haven't had to worry about it. And they've yeah. just been like, yeah, okay, I'll pull my mask. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. No big deal. So that's been very cool. Um, and then now in the third trimester, it's just, it's, it's becoming a situation. Of, <laughs> you do get, you do get a little paranoid of like, is the bump, is the bump too big? Is the bump not big enough? Is the bump <laughs> you can, you can get a little nutsy. Where um, are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, today. in terms of, is it just right? I, apparently, I I will say, um, pregnancy has also been an interesting uh, social study because it opens up a lot of space for comment, where people like love commenting on women's women's bodies. It's just yes. great. It's just fun. Have you had anybody try to touch her? Oh yeah. Oh what yeah. Do you, what do you tell to? What do you tell people? Um, it's been so few and far between, and it's been people that I'm like, okay. That it's, I've just sort of tolerated, <laughs> tolerated. It's not, it's not, that part's not my favorite. And especially because I'm not like, you know, out to here, mm-hmm. as it were. Mm-hmm. I'm gesturing, for our audio listeners, I'm gesturing way out to the end of my arm. Um, it It's like, for a long time, people were touching my belly and I literally just looked like I'd, I'd had like a big lunch. And it just felt like they were rubbing like a big lunch belly. And it was like, that's not, that's not fun for anybody. Um but I, on the positive side of that, I did have someone say to me yesterday, a fellow, fellow mom and fellow teacher at the school, she was like, 
Oh, you're one of those cute pregnant women. What does that mean? <laughs> it's this whole thing about like ha- what your bump shape is, right? So like some women carry high, some women carry low. Some women look like exactly like their normal body, but with a basketball, right? Some women yeah. carry wide. It's like a whole thing. And we're all like, you know, as previously mentioned, we're all hypercritical of ourselves. And so that did, that did make me feel good. <laughs> How do you anticipate this baby's going to change your life? Oh, in every single way possible. Mm-hmm. In every single way possible. Like I look at, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I look at how our dog has changed our life. <laughs> you know, and they always say how like our the pets become our babies, especially yeah. during COVID, especially in this life. So she's like, I consider her like the training wheels. Very, very, very light training wheels of parenting because she's a little needy and a little clingy. Um, and then just that times a million. Um, so basically in every way possible, which is why I, it took me a long time, what it felt like a long time. I'm probably like the last of my friend group to have a baby mm-hmm. because I needed, I wanted to be as close to ready as I thought was reasonable. Do you feel you are? I feel more now. I mean, there's no going back at this point. Right. <laughs> what, what would it look like but to be ready? I, I don't know. Okay. I don't really know. But I understand because that was my thinking. That was your thinking too. Because it's just, I knew for a long time, I was like, oh, I don't even know if if I wanted a baby at all. Um, And then I sort of had a like, oh, no, yeah, 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 I do. But I wasn't ready yet. And I wasn't with the right partner yet, Mm -hmm. Um, which to me was a huge, huge, huge thing for me and how I I wanted the story of my life to look like um and so once that piece got in it was like oh okay and then it was just like a timing of like when do we feel like this could be a thing um and the funny thing was the discussion wasn't actually was I getting any younger my husband was like well I'm not getting any younger <laughs> it's like oh, okay <laughs> Sure, which is a valid. He he had a certain expectation of how he wanted that story to go and his his experience of of parenthood, um, which I really appreciated him being so thoughtful about it. Um, but I, I it has been very amusing, and I think we've we've laughed about the fact that um, so in America, if you give birth past your thirty fifth birthday, you are considered. We have two terms now, both of which are really irritating to me. Uh, you are of advanced maternal age (laughs) or here's a real one geriatric pregnancy what yep actual term are you considered high risk automatically high risk Mm -hmm. just because of your age wow with no other determining factors um or no other risk factors as it were so they automatically go here you go (laughs) so it's a lot to deal with it's it's yeah, when you have a lot of comments from people being like, well, at your age, because of your age, I'm like, that's okay. So what advice would you give to people who come at you with those things mm-hmm. just to kind of stay in your own experience and validate your own experience mm-hmm. and stay in your own body, have your body your own? Mm-hmm. What, what would you say to people? What should they do when they're encountering people that are intrusive like that? Oh, like like the care providers are yeah. saying, yeah. Or no, other people just out, out and about. It... <laughs> So actually, Pastor Ed yeah. uh, gave me a great mental image for, for comments that are unhelpful and unserving and a little intrusive. I want to hear it. It's so good. <laughs> Which is, you picture um, 
you know, when you blow soap bubbles mm -hmm. in the summertime, you picture the bubble floating and then all it just goes pop and and now then it's gone. I love that. And then it just it just releases into the ether and it's it's no longer it's no longer there. And you know, and I also I also have like things I remind myself about. I have a little I have a little mantra I found. Um especially cuz in the first trimester, you know, you traditionally don't tell people because you're at a, you're at a very high risk for for pregnancy loss. Um and so you know, yeah. you read all these, you know, so there's like these apps you can do and there's these forums of women sharing experiences with each other who are all kind of pregnant with about the same at the same timing. Mm -hmm. Um and you start to feel like sometimes their bad news is can be contagious. Yes. Um, and that's hard to take because you want to be supportive, but you also are like, what if that happens to me? And you get you're very fearful. So I have I have this motto of of safe, healthy, strong. And I just repeat that to myself when I start feeling a little bit like, what's gonna happen? You know, and just safe and healthy and strong. And so I kept repeating that to myself, knowing that. She's safe and healthy and strong. And then realizing that she wouldn't be safe and healthy and strong if I wasn't safe and healthy and strong. Great. And that was like, that was the sound of my brain exploding. And realizing that my body was doing an incredible thing and feeling just grateful and appreciative and just like kind of. You know, you, you hear these women who feel very powerful in their womanhood, whatever that looks like. You don't obviously need to have a baby to nope. feel that way. Right. I think it took being pregnant to make, to help me feel that way. Like I feel very, I, I feel it's like what the word like womanly means. Um, and I'm just, it's, it's, it's just been incredibly healing. Uh. So, so I'm glad. I know, isn't that? I I would never have in a million years guessed it. I would have been like, oh, I would have struggled with the, mm -hmm. with the with the body image thing and with that and that. And now I need to keep that kind of stuff into postpartum. And everybody's like, air quote, taking a bounce back. Go give me a break. We'll so, have to do one after you give birth. We should right? do one. Yeah, we should do one. <laughs> so See, really, I know. <laughs> I think that's really when it gets hard for sure. Yeah. Um. And so I'm just, I'm just kind of taking it all kind of week by week and all the symptoms kind of week by week, like, you know, a symptom will show up and I've, I've learned now that like a symptom isn't here for the rest of the pregnancy. So I'm sort of like, oh, hello, new friend. How long are you around? Well, for? I can attest to the fact that in my observation of you from week to week, mm -hmm. your calm spirit. And maybe that mantra that you've been saying mm -hmm. has really carried over. I mean, you tend to be pretty easygoing anyway, but this is really carried. So that might be a really good suggestion for people who are having anxiety in the pregnancy for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. It can that. be, it can be very nerve wracking because you feel very responsible yes. for, you know, for like, you know, the development of, of this course. human and like. I, I have gotten a little nutsy about, not nutsy, that's disrespectful to myself, uh, but I've gotten, I've hyper-focused on mm -hmm. um, what they call fetal positioning. So how she is in, in the womb um, can very much affect how easily or difficult the birth can be. Um, so like lying on your left side versus lying on your right side, you're not supposed to lie on your back. And when you sit, you're supposed to tilt a little bit forward. So like I've been... That's been, because it feels like something I can control. 
And we all know if you're a longtime podcast listener, I'm a control freak. This is not news to any of our audience. Um, but like, that's been kind of the thing I've been hyper-focusing on. <laughs> but well, you've it feels done like, a lot of research too. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah. And it I feels mean, like something I can do. Yes. You know, and that feels good. Um, to have like something I can at least attempt. And it was funny. I was, I was like lying in bed. I was like the other day and I was like, I just want to lay my right side for a little bit. Just to, to like, just, just mix it up a little bit. And like for like three minutes. And I felt her go, <laughs> I was like, no, you're on the wrong side. <laughs> I was like, fine, I'll turn back over. <laughs> well, we look forward to seeing how this little one, and you're not saying the name yet. We're not this saying the name girl. to anybody. Yeah. yeah. Right. We have some really cute nicknames flying around, though. Oh, I can imagine. My best friend calls her Junebug. Okay. Which I think just might need to stick as a nickname because that's yeah. adorable. Yes. Our friend Linda here calls her Ruby Sprout, <laughs> which is hilariously is the like temporary domain name we had for the new website. Yes. And so it's just called her, which is so cute. <laughs> when she's 20 it. or 22, like my daughter, yeah. she can tell you if she likes that. She, yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling by the time she's 22, we'll probably let that go. Uh, but for now, it's a very cute. It's very cute. Yes. Yeah, so we're excited. I'm so excited. And that's also been part of like thinking about now sort of life after birth <laughs> and thinking about what in a village she's going to be born into here. Um, the church recently threw us a baby shower and like what it just, I'm going to say overwhelming expression of love yes. and excitement and like, what a lucky little baby to be part of this community from the beginning. Like, I it took me 30 years yep. to find you guys. And then she's going to be just like, well, this is a normal church experience. Like, this is going to be her normal. Yep. And I, I'm really into it. I'm really excited. I'm excited to, for her to. We will welcome her. It takes a village. Yes. It takes a and village. And we're pre-recording for part of the summer when you're away on maternity leave. Yes. Yeah, so we're double recording today, actually. Yes. Um, if I, we, if I ever, if we ever finish this episode, <laughs> I could go on. It may be extended. And it's a longer cut. It's fine. Yes. Um, yes. So we are, the podcast will be, let's see, we're going to take off of, we're going to take off August. Mm -hmm. um, but I will be gone, thankfully, because of Connecticut's improved shall mm -hmm. we say, family leave rules, mm -hmm. um, I'll be gone for pretty and much the And the church would have done that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. No, they take such good care of us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Yay. all that. So that's just sort of – I just had some thoughts to share about it. And, um, you know, and if any if any moms-to-be are out there listening and want to reach out and chat or thinking about stuff, I'm here. I'd love to share it with you. I have some good podcasts to recommend that have just been amazing. Um, You've I've done the research. Done the research. Done. There's a great birthing class that my husband and I took, and I was so nervous because it was like it was many hours of sitting on Zoom, and I was concerned that he would not be. I mean, I knew he would show up. Like he's the guy that shows up. Like he was not going to complain or anything. But I was concerned he would feel a little like well, I'm doing this for her, for me. And at the end of the first class, he looks at me. He goes, "That was great." And we, it, it really created so many conversations for us to take that class together. And it was, ended up being really fun, a really fun thing. It really brought you closer together. It really did. Yeah. And really on the same page about stuff that we hadn't, 
we I don't think we had thought to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, and took a lot of the fear away because I know obviously um, for me at least birth was a very fear filled uh, proposition. And now I'm, I'm, I will say I'm intimidated, but not afraid, which feels like a, probably a realistic place to be <laughs> about it. Yeah. And just respectful of the process, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think learning to, again, to bring it back to trust my body, mm-hmm. it's done great this so far. Um, so why would it do otherwise going forward? We're going to, we're going to trust. We're going to try to surrender and trust, which are two things I am not naturally good at. So we're learning. <laughs> we're well, we learning. will pray for you during this next bit. Thank you. That all goes well. Yes. That it's a joyous time that she's welcomed into the world as she, as we know she will be. Oh. With just loving arms. Thank you so with, much. With no incident. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And we wanted to also spend this time talking about your journey to motherhood, which just to me sounds like this big adventure. (laughs) I love it. So where where do you want to start? Well, I'll say I was 38 when I, I... I was married at 38 for the first time. I I spent my time traveling and going to grad school and and working hard and I wasn't ready before sure. 38. Yeah. Um and then all of a sudden I had fertility issues and oh, I didn't yeah. realize that in my lineage um early menopause was the thing. So Got it. Um so mothers tell your daughters. Yes. <laughs> what the issues are because they can tend to be genetic, right? Yes. Or even, I, I will jump in really fast, or even not what the issues are. Yes. Because my mother shared with me after the fact. She's like, oh, yeah, we get pregnant so easily. <laughs> I was like, well, now you tell me. You could have saved me a solid three months of anxiety. Exactly. Well, and mine didn't say she experienced early menopause too. Yes, these are so, important. So even though I tried for a couple of years mm-hmm. um, through infertility treatments, which is a very common experience it for really women. It right? We need to talk more about One, that. Yes, we do. Yes. And, and women who feel like they're doing something wrong or that they're deficient or whatever it is. Right. Um, and I had always, because I got married so late, mm-hmm. I had always thought, uh, for some reason I had this, if I'm not married by 35, I'm going to adopt internationally. I had already traveled a bunch. Uh-huh. And so I thought that was already in my mind. Okay. So, um, my unfortunately, my marriage did not last, and it really was over the issue of having another child. He had several children, well, multiple children before, mm-hmm. and realized that he just we thought we had settled this, and yeah. he just couldn't. And, okay, and so we split amicably. And you know, I was in a, a church pulpit at that point, I was a, a pastor of a church, and right. it was really odd. And um, I just had to really say, you know. Both of us have listened very carefully to our yeses and our noes. Mm-hmm. And I knew I didn't want to be a better old woman. Yeah. And so we split we very easily. And I immediately started in the process of looking at adoption agencies and knew wow. that there was a woman who had been going through that, who'd kind of done a lot of research. And mm-hmm. so she was a type A. And I'm like, okay, so if she's done this, I would trust this particular organization that actually had, it was based out of uh Columbia, Maryland. Okay. And uh, they, I originally looked at China and then I looked at Vietnam. And in both of those situations, thinking that I would be a single mom, 
I thought, you know, it would be easy for me, but harder for her. That does that's just in my own situation. Okay. Other other moms choose, you know, children who may look differently than them. Uh, but for me, I just thought my situation, this is what I wanted to deal with. Okay. So I uh, chose not to go to those. And I went to a an organization that had a high success rate with adoptions from Russia. Okay. So at that time, uh, the government of Russia was open for adoptions. They have uh, probably about 10 years ago closed permanently to the U.S. Mm -hmm. But at that time, there were 600,000 children in Russia ready for adoption. Oh, my goodness. I know. And that was after they have to be on a five-month waiting list just to kind of make sure that people within Russia are not going to adopt or no one steps forward. Sure. So my process beginning to end was eight months, less than a pregnancy. Wow. <laughs> and the way it worked for me was I, I told them what, what I was looking for, uh -huh. that I wanted a, a child as young as possible, yeah. um, as healthy as possible, mm -hmm. and then just let it go from there. I didn't have a region that I was particularly interested in. But for whatever reason, because I was at that time right under the 40 mm -hmm. age mark, mm -hmm. I got bumped up. On the list. Oh. So um, I started, I, got, I did a home study. So they do a lot of, you know, investigation of you. you sure. Have to make sure that you're financially sound, that you're emotionally sound. You have to have references. Right. Um, you have to be employed, all these different things. Right. And then, so you have a home study with a social worker. And then they go through. And then, so that was October. And at the end of January, I got a referral. And that came in the form of a videotape. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> of a little girl who was um, six months old at that oh. point. And she, I looked at her and it uh, knew that immediately that that was my daughter. Oh, my goodness. She, you could tell she had some delays because supposedly for every three months you're in, in, in an institution, you're a month delayed. Okay. But I, I figured that was okay. And then yeah. you, you're given medical information, but you're also encouraged to have a doctor on stateside okay. to review the medical things. Okay. And evidently they were, um, the medical records from Russia were not correct because the doctor here said, it's not humanly possible for a brain to grow that fast. But So I just need to give you a red flag, but, oh, but this is probably wrong. So I kind of had to go with trust yeah and what i've heard about from because there's an organization called families of russian and ukrainian adoptions which is a facebook page so if anybody's ever interested well it may be defunct now because mm. well i mean the, the organization's still there but you can't adopt from russia and right. we know what's going on with ukraine right. um but there were all sorts of people at different points at that point in the process. And so you could go on and ask and just you know, see different experiences. So that was a really great help. But anyway, um, I decided to say yes mm -hmm. to, the, to the referral. And that meant, so by the end of January, I then spent the springtime, literally I'd get a, a, a request from the agency to have something like certified state, county certified, then state certified, which is called an apostille. Okay. And then sent like immediately. So okay. there were days when I would hear at like 11 a.m. that I needed to have something out that afternoon, which meant oh going to the county office in Westchester County. So yeah. going from Mount Kisco 
to White Plains, and then down to the financial district for the state attorney general, oh my gosh. a state uh, state department yeah. to have it certified and then sent. So that was constant. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but totally worth it. Yeah. And then uh, I got the word that I would go in June. Wow. And the night before I went, so I was planning to go for a five week experience. Okay. Uh, to Moscow, that she was in a baby house in Moscow, which is an orphanage. Mm. And uh, the night before, they said, "Oh no, you're going to have to make two trips. The first, the first <gasps> one will only be a week, and the second one will be four weeks." So that meant I had to the night before unpack a five week suitcase, right. go down to a one week, buy an extra ticket to Moscow, right? And you know all of that difference and. <laughs> what, what why why did you I, have to go twice you know what i don't even remember why now oh, it was yeah. like it was so blurry but sure. but it was a lot of extra cost and it yeah. also meant visa differences oh, and geez. all that stuff so so much paperwork so there was you know they had to like fax me the visa for the you know mm-hmm. the trip mm-hmm. while i was over there for the second trip and yeah it was a mess um but i got there and the first week was spent going into the orphanage and observing her Mm. and it was the most extraordinary thing um she was a little blonde haired baby who i love telling the story and she doesn't mind she's given me permission to tell in fact she and i wrote a book later and i talked a lot about different things but Mm. um she was for some reason she was in a special needs orphanage even though she wasn't special needs and um so she would, she was kind of in one of those round rolly things where you could just kind of roll around. She had yeah. rickets, okay. which most children do over there because of the lack of vitamin D from sun. Okay. And, you know, I was over in June. She was still wearing a snowsuit outside. Oh, my gosh. So um, she was in one of these round things. And every time a child would cry in the room, she'd roll over and just sit next to the child until they stopped crying. And then she'd roll on to the next one. Oh, my goodness. So it was just this innate kind of compassion Yes. Um, that, you know, just made me fall in love with her even more. Absolutely. But I can say that, you know, I the, the adoption agency provided a driver and a translator for me that stayed with me. And they were amazing mm-hmm. and so loving and careful with me the whole time. But um, the first day that I found her, that I went in, she was down in the infirmary because she had a fever. And so that, you know, but turns out she was teething and I could tell she, so the nurse brought her out and she sat in my lap. She was a little listless. She kind of was looking around and I started just singing to her. And within 10 minutes, you can see that the translator was taking a video. Within 10 minutes, you can see her all of a sudden connecting and starting oh, to bond. Wow. It was extraordinary. Yeah. And people say in international adoption, <clears throat> or maybe even adoption in general, that my baby, this this was the baby that was meant for me. She just was born on the other side of the world. Yeah. And that has been true in my case. In fact, people say it's amazing um, you know, how you can kind of grow to look like people. Yeah. That she and I look so much alike. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Can I mean, confirm. I'm blonde too, or yeah. I'm kind of blonde. Yeah. Uh, but she, we were both toeheads as little kids. <laughs> and um, she's just, she's now 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this whole thing with Russia and Ukraine has been really hard on her. Yeah. Um, and 
I've always brought her up to be proud of her heritage, to know that she was adopted, to, to appreciate her cultural heritage mm-hmm. and to be open about it with people. Was that a cognizant choice for you? to? Because I know some parents make different decisions about telling their children if they're adopted or not. Um, was that a, a, a conscious decision for you or was that just that just felt right to you? I never wanted her to feel shame. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my husband has told a story on podcast, on another podcast, that he didn't find out he was adopted till he was seven, oh. and it was from the neighborhood kids. Oh, dear. And so that was a whole thing that I, you know, yeah. no. So I, we started looking at the, the photo album mm-hmm. from the time that she could even look, you know, and I'd say, look, this is where you were from, and these people loved you. And they cared for you, and look how they're caring for you here. And, you know, I will admit it was hard to watch her be fed there because they had to do it so quickly. Yeah. And so, I, I you know, as I watched her, I thought, oh, I hope she's not having a food wound right now because they just mm. it would shove food in. Yeah. But it was good food. But, That's good. But, you know, uh, she's fine. And she's been wonderful, and she has no issues with health. She did go through a little period of time that we – Figured out 23 and me, genius. Ah. <laughs> yes. yes. So because we didn't have much information. Right. So. Right, right. Anyway. But that's, I would just say, um, if, uh, if a parent, if a mother or father wants to adopt, there are lots of options. Yeah. You can foster first here in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I know families who have chosen to go the foster care route. Um, there are so many children needing care and love. Mm-hmm. And there are ways, lots of ways to do that. So you can be a parent, even if like me, you couldn't have one naturally. Mm-hmm. But I feel every bit is connected and every bit is in love with my child as if she had come from my womb. Absolutely. Um, and I will say too, that this church did pour into her because I was here for six years during her elementary years. Yeah. And the amount of love and care, I mean, I just can't wait to see what they do for yours because they did it for mine. <laughs> you know, suckers, they're suckers for little girls here, I no. feel like. <laughs> they did it well. And they, yeah. they really poured leadership stuff into her mm. and, you know, engaged her and in conversation adults that would do that while I was getting ready for worship, mm-hmm. just like you'll be getting ready for you know, right, music. Right, and, right, right. You know, getting ready for worship so oh i love that story thank you so much for sharing it's amazing that with us. yeah 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 and just the it sound is that you were always meant to be together as a family always meant to be she just was born somewhere else yeah yeah, yeah. that's so beautiful and she's such a testament to you i adore her <laughs> she's amazing she's, a, she's an amazing woman and she's hoping to go into the peace corps you know that i raised her to be yeah. an international world citizen mm-hmm. um because she has dual citizenship so so great that she wants to go work and uh, give back wow yeah it's it's you know I look at all these incredible um young women that we have in our community and you know my husband I talk about I want her to be like this young lady this young lady like how do we how how do we how do we help her be the by being you you know the best person <laughs> they're like well not not so much like this person none of us here obviously but you know it's like yeah. you you can kind of get a little um distracted i think if you <laughs> and gus are yourselves yeah you're gonna have the most amazing Aww. experience with the upbringing and you know nice. when we went through the teen stuff mm-hmm. i looked at her and i said you know 
this happened, you know, the, the struggle happens a lot. I said, yeah. we don't have to do that. I will give yeah. you space. It's optional. And, right. And, you know, if I had been younger, I don't, I think I would have been more nervous about that. Yeah. But because I was an older mom. Yeah. It's like, eh, I've done that. Yeah. I also, yeah, I also feel like, I mean, according to my own mother, I was a delight of a teenager. <laughs> Now, how 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 much of that is rose-colored memory glasses is up to? But I I don't I mean you know I think it's I have lots of thought. Here's the problem I'm getting myself into is I have lots of thoughts of parenting, um, and I'm pretty sure most of them are wrong. <laughs> so that humility is coming back in, and trying to also think about like who she is and responding to her instead of like well like here's. Here's how, here's how I am as a parent. It's, it's, it's a whole other, it's a whole other realm. It's a whole other realm. Well, Peyton and I wrote a book together when she was seven or eight. Yeah. Called How Was School Today? Fine. And it was all different chapters on how to talk to your kid because mine wasn't talking to me. And here I did myself on that. Yeah. And one of the chapters is mom is wrong a lot. (laughs) But that's so good. And the importance of uh, saying I'm wrong. Right. Or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. That one's big for me because I tend to pretend like I know. And what do you think? Yeah. yeah. The what do you think? Because I will say the piano teaching I've been doing has been really interesting just being around kids more because I just wasn't around kids that much really in my normal career. Um, and then in teaching, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kids here we have. At home, we have a little bit of a joke because I had this one piano student who was, I think she was in, she was like in first or second grade, like quite young. And I would be like, how you doing today? She go, good. I was like, what you been up to? Good. <laughs> Did you do anything fun for spring break? Good. I just was like, not. It was exactly. I that was happening at home too. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, to try something else here. <laughs> So but you asked so non-yes and no questions. Yeah. That right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what did you do? Good. Tell me how. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah, let's blah, just blah. try this different approach. <laughs> it's always funny. So that's, it's, yeah, it's a, I'm trying to really take it a day at a time, a week at a time. And beyond that, like, you know, I've got 12 years to, before I need to worry about a preteen. Cycle of life. Cycle of life. Oh, what a what a wonderful conversation this has been so fun thank you so much for sharing your thank journey you. thanks for staying with us this was yes. a longer podcast if you listen to the whole thing please leave a comment yes yeah. we'll give you a, we'll give you a big gold star <laughs> um and we are also grateful for you being here roundtail radio is brought to you by the friends and members of roundtail community church for more information please visit roundtailcommunitychurch.org 